Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of Showtime with Coop. We have somebody that uh, I admire a lot. Uh, we have an opportunity to play in the big three. And I get a chance to coach probably uh, the second best <laughs> player, the second best player that's ever played with LeBron James <laughs> and uh, who won a championship. But anyway, Dante Jones, how you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm good. How you doing, Coop, man? Oh, I miss you, man. I miss you, too. Um uh, hopefully we'll get it going. How's the family doing in this this tough time in society now? Um, we're 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 making it. My kids are trying to adjust and, and and get the home whole homeschooling thing down. They've been doing a good job of that. My wife been able to work um, via the Zoom meetings and stuff. So I'm blessed in that capacity. But just trying to just keep their mental together, just how to stay safe and not be around people is the hardest part. But we're making it through. Uh, is your wife doing most of the homeschooling? No, I am actually. What? I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have the opportunity to have time to be. I'm. I was the better student. So my wife is actually. She's a. She, her applied knowledge is better than mine. I was a great student. So I'm trying to get them good habits and not and not push that off because I've been going a lot like, over my journey in basketball. So I've had time to like sit down and help and do things like this. So now I take pride in just being able to help and and and, and just be there for them in that capacity. And, you know, isn't that a great feeling? Because sometimes we get caught up in our profession and we're moving around. And, like, my three kids, I have four, but my first three were born when I was playing. So I was hardly home with them. And you miss the father-daughter breakfasts and the things like that. And the one thing I I try to take out of this positive, out of this COVID thing, is that we get to spend more time with our kids. Right. Yeah. I I have five. So the first three are are teenagers now. And, they missed a lot of that at-home stuff and just helping with homework and being available for parent-teacher conferences. That's something I was on yesterday. And I first looked at it like I have a lot of stuff, but I'm like, I'm blessed to have this opportunity because sometimes other parents may take, not understand what they're able to do rather than what they have to do. And I, was, I wasn't able to be in, in, their, in their lives in that capacity and, and have that type of role. But now that I do, I take advantage and I get to do these things. I'm trying to take it as a positive. You know, I'm starting to like you more and more. I only get to see that that competitive <laughs> basketball the, side. I'm the, seeing the, the weekend I'm side, the humanly man side, the dad side. Oh, of you man. now, and you talked about your journey through basketball. Where to start? My journey started um, in 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 you middle don't know school. Where you're from? I'm from New Jersey, but I, like okay. I, I started playing basketball <laughs> late in middle school. Okay, and as a kid with five, 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 six with a 14 size shoe who couldn't get control of his body and, and, and made a couple teams, but didn't really do much. And then, and then I get a ninth grade and I get to be like six, three and a full athlete. And it, it just changes everything. And, and all I wanted to do is play college basketball, but I ended up with a whole bunch more. Uh, when, when, when did you dunk? When was the first time you dunked? I, I, I didn't dunk until I was a senior in high school. I six. dunked. 
I dunked at 13 as a freshman. I was, I was a 13 year old freshman. Yeah. So you were always blessed with good, with the technique of jumping. Yeah, I was blessed. I was blessed athletically. Yes. Yeah. I was always blessed athletically. I was an athlete first and foremost. Um, my father played basketball in college and he, and he was athletic. So I, I was able to see some things and, and aspire to do things earlier because I get to see him do it. My father was younger. So he actually was still dunking when I was playing him as a kid. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and then I kept the, got to build my journey by like, oh, you're doing that? I'm going to do that. I'm going I'm to find a way to do that. So, so you're what obviously, was your, what was your position in high school? Um, as a freshman, um, so I go from not playing in seventh and eighth grade at all to basically starting as a freshman because I grew like six, seven inches in the summertime and I was playing like the four, three, four, um, for like my freshman and sophomore year. And I ended up getting on an AAU team, which when I found out was my cousin with Al Harrington, who went, who went out of high school, um, and played for the Pacers and the Warriors and Knicks. But, um, I ended up playing on an AAU team with him and, and my coach, Sandy Pione was like, listen, you're not a big man because I got a, a six, nine kid here. I got a, <laughs> I got a, another seven foot kid. I got this kid. You, you gotta, you have to play guard. So I was blessed the opportunity to play like the, the, the point and the, and the two at AAU when my, my, I was the biggest dude on my high school team and the most athletic. So it kind of helped me like broaden my game up at that point. So you go to Rutgers initially and then transfer to Duke. You're probably most well known, I would think, for playing at Duke. But so was that just a case of wanting to stay close to home initially? Well, it was an immature decision, right? Because, well, not, not immature, but I took my first recruiting visit was to Stanford. I was 16 years old. I was a 16 year old senior starting in my senior year. So when you start the senior year and you like, you're taking the recruiting visits, um, I had like Stanford and Georgia Tech and Rutgers, Seton Hall. I took my first one to Stanford and it was culture shock. I'm a kid from New Jersey who's more, more of an inner city kid going out to Stanford, seeing him riding bikes to class. It's, 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 um, it's sunny. It's bees and all types of stuff. I, and, I, and I wasn't, I was in culture shock, honestly. And truthfully, Chelsea Clinton was my, the host of my visit. The Collins wow. twins were there. Like I didn't understand that, that Northern California way of life. And I got back on that plane. Like, you know what? My parents work um, five minutes from the arena at Rutgers. It's in the Big East. They got a coach that I've been to all his camps. Um, I can play in the Big East. I can be a part of something, um, a, a reviving a program. I know this. This is safe. And I just signed. I signed with the possibility of playing with, like, some guys who had great NBA careers with my cousin Alan Harrington and Troy Murphy and Will Solomon, um, Rodney White. Jason Williams was behind me, who was entertaining also because I was. So I I was signing as the first piece to bring on other pieces, and we just ended up losing those pieces down the line. Hey, so, hey, so it's safe to say academically, because you just don't give us a recruiting trip to Stanford, that you were sound. What would you tell young men coming out of high school now, some of the things that they have to – the pitfalls they have to watch out as far as being a student athlete? Well, I, my, my mother – I just had to do this with my own son. He's a freshman, right? My mother would not let me play basketball unless I had straight A's. And I didn't get it, but it was because she knew if I put a little bit of effort into it, I could knock it out. But if I just let things go by the wayside, I could be a, a, a really good student still, but I wouldn't reach my full potential. So I had academic scholarships at 15 years old to, to, to all the Ivy League schools. Wow. Because they didn't get, they didn't get athletic. So those are my first scholarships. And then after that, I was National Honor Society. And then after that, it, I built out 
a scholarship base of these other schools and Stanford just happened to be one of them. And I had to look at it seriously because it was a, an amazing school. And I originally wanted to go to Georgetown to play for Big John. So I, I, so my parents held academics at, at the, the highest of esteem. You had to get that done first. Me and my mother laugh at it now. She told me I had, I get to pick two of three options. I get to have a girlfriend, play basketball, or, or have, or, or, or be a straight A student. And you're going to be a straight A student. So you're basically picking between basketball and girls. <laughs> like, so, so, I, so they can't, so academics was high and that's why I took Stanford. But then after that, like, I just wanted to, I just want to play college basketball, honestly and truthfully. I didn't, this basketball thing really just turned out to be something more. What's your favorite subject? What was your favorite subject in school? Math. Yeah. I've always been gifted at math. Numbers come so, easy to you? Yeah, very much so. So. Yeah, not for me. Um, and I, and I went, I went to college as a, as a, as a, um, with, with the, the focus on being a doctor. I wanted to be an obstetrician. Wow. So I was pre-med my first year at Rutgers. And I wow. ended up getting my first like D because of basketball. So I had to like rearrange this whole, this whole journey of education because it was a, it was a 50 50 class where lecture and, um, and tests were, I mean, lecture and, um, and, um, and, uh, the lab were counted equal. And if you miss three labs, you get an F for lab. Basketball, we on the road. I get a, I get an F. I get an F for lab and I'm getting a B in a class equals a D. I was stuck. <laughs> So I had to change to a business degree. Wow. You know, there's some substance in that big ass head of yours. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I wanted to bring children into the world. I wanted to be an obstetrician, man. Like, like that was like, that was, I don't, I don't know how I got on that journey. So it's safe to say that you raise your kids the way that you were raised. Stand on top of them. Are your kids athletic? I mean, do they play basketball? Any of them or any? Kind all of my boys. So I have three boys who are 14, eight, and three. They all play basketball. They all love with it, but they're. My, my eight and my 14 year old, all my kids are great students, mm-hmm. period, point blank. My two daughters, one plays soccer, one is in the arts, acting, singing, and they're all amazing students, all gifted and talented. So like, I'm just, we, we just, we just, we test well and we, and we, we're good at school. Isn't that a gratifying feeling as far as a dad to know that you got, you set the path for them because we're not going to be here forever for our kids. So it's nice right. to know that they know which way they're heading. Right. I'm blessed, I'm blessed to have a foundation of just good students and good people. And then this athletic stuff comes in. Just, it's just icing on the cake to help you just see the world and make some great relationships and, and just and just have some fun. So on this, so, on well, this podcast, we've been able to talk with Kareem about John Wooden. We've been able to talk to Bob McAdoo about Dean Smith and James Worthy. You know, James Worthy yeah. about Dean Smith and, and I mean, uh, D, uh, Drew Gooden about Roy Williams. So, I mean, we got the opportunity now to talk to you about Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. When did he come into the picture and, and you know, what – what did you take away from him at your time at Duke? So I, I'll give you the, the backstory how I got to Duke. Number one, I did not want to go to Duke. And my my perception of Duke was what everyone else's perception of Duke. Coach K's arrogant. I don't like how they play, blah, blah, blah. And when I decided to transfer, I was actually, like, locked in my room, like, homeschooling myself for a month because I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm the New Jersey kid at the New Jersey, at the New Jersey State University who's thinking about leaving and you had to go ask your coach for um, a release at that point. So we asked. And then once people found out that I was trying to get a release, I looked, I put my schools up there in North Carolina was at the top, Arizona, Cincinnati. And then Kay called because Tommy Amaker at Seton Hall recruited me so hard and was so in love with me that he was like, if I can't have him, you got to have him because we're in conference. Right. So Kay calls my AAU coach and they were like, um, 
they want Dante to come out for a visit. And I, and I, I just ignorantly was like, nah, I'm not going there. I'm going to see Carolina. And my dad stepped in and was like, listen, you're taking a visit. So I tried to be a jerk and set it up first so I could just say I did it. Right. And I take it first and I get down there and I meet Coach K. And what was number one on my priority list is that I wanted to compete just at a high level. Like I wanted all my teammates to be in love with the game like I was in love with it. I wanted them, I wanted to be playing four year round. I was in the NIT at Rutgers and guys were, we were, we were, we were in our first round. They were making vacation plans for the next day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, it, it shouldn't be like this. I want to go to the tournament. I want to play. Even if I'm, even if I'm in the middle of the bench, I don't care. I don't want to be the man. I want to play. I want to go to the tournament and do these things. So I took that visit. And when I got there, everybody was in the gym playing pickup, like not even being told by the coaching staff. Like that's what, that's what they do working on their games. Felt at home at that point in time. And then I get in the office with Kay and Kay is like, listen, man, I know what you're thinking. He gave me a speech that captivated me so much. So like spoke to my heart. He was like, listen, I know you, I got eight up McDonald's all Americans. I know you think that you won't play. If you earn it, you, you, you will get time. That's all I wanted the opportunity to compete for a spot. And when he said I would have that opportunity, he sold me right then. I basically told my mom to just shit my stuff down because this is where I'm going to school. I didn't take wow. my other visit. Wow. Uh, and he was, was, and he was an amazing influence. What were some of the other things that he talked to or he talked to you about? Competing. He, he knew they had X on, 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 X on, on, on X on their back and that everyone hated Duke and everyone wanted to knock us off and we're on top, but people are trying to take us down every day. We compete. We play hard. All I care about is playing defense and playing hard. Defense at the top of my, top of my priority list. So like you finally getting a coach that's like, listen, you can do anything you want to in this world. And he's just a great person. Like, I wanted to be in, in, in combat with him off of that conversation. Like I just wanted to play for him. And when you get to see like the nostalgia and the university and all those things and like see it firsthand, it's like, I, how can I, how can I turn this down? But he was just, he's, he's the, he's the only one of, one of the only coaches that has can control everything, which is motivation, X's and O's, um, the locker room, the locker room, like, he he can do all the things that some coaches can maybe do two out of the four. You get what I'm saying? And they can mm-hmm. excel it. He can do it all and keep your respect. And if you play hard, he's your best friend. Uh, you know, he so ha- has a soft demeanor when he's on the court. You can see the fieriness in his eyes. How is he? Is he the same way in practice or because co- coaches change? Some coaches are fire in practice and they, you know, like Coach Whitten. Ultimate, ultimate competitor. So, he actually let me go in my transfer year because when you transfer, you got to sit out. So, like, that's the hardest year of your life because you're not hurt. You're just not playing because of a rule. And I'm sitting there on the second team, and he gave me a role like, like, like you have to dominate them. And we would have full-on battles with Shane Battery, Jason Williams, <laughs> um, Mike Dunleavy, Carlos Boozer, and they're losing to the second squad. So, like, I was – I, I had my head down and I was so focused on practice. But at the end of that year, I was a lottery pick on draft boards because college coach, I mean, uh, NBA scouts could come into practice and you're seeing a kid go out and dominate the first unit or compete head to head with a team that wins the national championship. Now at that time, so, how, t- how tall are you? What are you six, five, six, six? I'm six, six, 225 yeah. pounds. And I had just come off uh, all freshman in the big East. Uh-huh. Um, some honorable mention, all Big East. So I had competed at a high level, and I'm also a year behind everyone in my class. 
I graduated as a, as a 17-year-old senior, started as a 17-year-old freshman. Like, wow. So I got to catch up to everybody else, but also also play at a place where my strengths came in and helped me out a lot. Defense and playing hard, that's all he cares about, and the ability to learn and just, and just soak up knowledge. And I, was, I, had the, I had the perfect teacher to just teach me how to be a professional and to teach me how to play the game of basketball because I think that's an underrated skill. Kids don't learn how to play the game within the game. Uh, do you think Coach K helped you with the media process? Because, again, Duke being a national team, a lot of players coming out of college can't handle the media well. How does he, how does he treat you guys toward that? Well, I think, yeah, yes, he, he enables us to, to teach us how to deal with the media, how to answer questions. We had a staff that would help us in that capacity. But being on TV every night, the culture shock of, of the media is nothing at that point in time. If you're, you're on ESPN every night, like 90% of your games are – then you just get accumulated to it and you start absorbing all that pressure rather than running from it rather than. So it's not like when you're on ESPN, Oh oh my God, now I'm tense. I got to play hard. Now no, it's just a part of our DNA. We get everyone's best shot. We're going to be on TV. This is the standard of, of, of how you go about doing your business. So did you win a national championship? So we won a national championship, my, um, my red shirt year. And in his book, he wrote about how, I helped that team win a national championship. He'd have to I'm, – I'm guarding Shane Battier to probably be national player of the year every day in practice, and he had to take me off of Shane because, like, I'm physical, I'm competitive. Hard. I'm getting – right, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting all my energy out. These are my games. This is how I'm approaching it. These are my games. And he's in practice preparing for games. I'm full-fledged going at him. So he had to take me off of him because you're frustrating a guy that has to give me something tomorrow. And it just pushed both of us to be better, just to compete at a high level. Um, he, Shane is the one, one of the greatest teammates, but a, a hell of a competitor. And we just had these battles that he didn't have to do that much coaching. He just had to let his horses play and, and, and get each other back and better. So I, I say this jokingly, somebody else helped carry you to another championship. Who? Shane. Who's that? Shane at Duke. Shane, Shane carried, Shane carried them to a championship, a little, a kid that I grew up. You didn't help because you were red-shirting. But, you didn't ha- but listen, did I, did, did I help? Because it's like saying anybody on your, on, on any of your bench. <laughs> Get out of here, man. That's a practice player. Get out. <laughs> okay. So, so if, so if your practice team is better than all your teams you play, then, then are you getting better or no? You're getting better, but you're not helping win the championship. So practice is not, so then why don't, why do teams practice? I'm just poking you. I'm poking the bear. No, I, know, I know you are, man. Are you going to lose this poke? Are you going to lose this poke this time? Because <laughs> you've been oh. on a bench on a lot of teams, but I can't say you didn't. You, you can't quantify and help them win. But that's the thing that kids don't understand. There's different ways to help the teams win rather than just being on the t- being yes, on sir. the floor. Only yes, five sir. can play at a time. Yes, sir. And being a, being a teammate and being available to your – I learned, actually learned how to be a teammate at that point in time, and I did not know. Because all I could give was energy. All I could give was my performance in practice. I could be vocal. I could break down scouting reports. I could help the, the unit before. But that's all I could do. And I was, and, and, and so now I had to be, I had to play my role and be the ultimate teammate. And when it was my time to play, I was, I was able to do both. And it helped me actually have my NBA career. Okay. You know what? I'm so glad you said that. Yes, I'm messing around with you because that's what we do. We banter uh, like right. that. But you know what? A lot of kids don't understand what team means. Team means right. together, everyone achieves more. And no matter what role you play, if you're part of the team, when the team wins, you win. So I do understand that. I admire you. I, like I said, man, I'm starting to like you more and more now. 
hey, Coop, nobody, if you, if you do a trivia question and ask what Coop's statistics were, they, not a damn person. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. Oh, let me finish. Let me finish what I'm saying. If you, if if you throw it, because I know you, you're on TV after the Lakers game. If you throw and ask people what were Coop's statistics, they will not know, but you will forever be a champion. (laughs) And they will know that Coop got rings though. Yeah. Coop got business. Yeah. Right. So all that other stuff, it doesn't matter. You have to find people willing to do what's best for the team. Exactly. Amazing stallions on your team and you fill the role. So, like those players don't get enough respect because those the the big guys need role players and other people to fit in to be able to accomplish your goal. They just don't go and do it by themselves. And the greats understand that they need everyone else around them. So in a nice way, are you trying to say that the Lakers carried me to a championship too? Um, yeah, I, I would never use that terminology. You use that one. I don't. I don't look at the game like that. You just try to mess with me on that. How <laughs> do you think me and Coop get bad about about it? Me and Coop's relationship start off bad. I told Coop, I said, listen, Coop, man, I looked you up, and you were 6'6", 170. You could not survive in our game. <laughs> I had, I, I, I'm not a better. Are you a better, Ari? I'm not uh, a better. I'm a better. I've never really been a gambler. A little yeah. bit. Sometimes, yeah. I don't know. But you know what? Visit betonline.ag to check out all the odds, up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back sports bonuses for you. Bet online, your online wagering experts. I'll bet with your money, Coop. What? I'll bet with your I'll – I'll do some sports gambling with your money. No, 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 no. I, that's <laughs> what I do. When I, when I used to go up to Vegas and we played blackjack – I mean, uh, uh, craps, and I would take, like, Five hundred, three hundred dollars, and I was actually pretty good at that. Once I won, I put my money in my pocket, and then I played with their money. And once, if I lost for some reason, okay, I'm going to everybody. (laughs) Football is back. You might not be in a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and win totals to team players and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Me and Coop's relationship start off bad. I told Coop, I said, listen Coop, man, I looked you up and you were six six one seventy you could not survive in our game. <laughs> I, at, the, at the smallest, I was 6'6", 220. And LeBron James is 6'6", 280. I mean, 6'9", 280. And we would destroy y'all. That's what started our relationship on a bad note because Coop ran around them little-ass shorts. Being being 6'6", 175, I got kids that are 6'2", 175 now. <laughs> like, that wasn't going to cut it today. Tay, I'm gonna tow your ass up. I'm gonna tow your ass up. Anyway. <laughs> so, so that's why our relationship started on this banter stuff because I, when I told him he was too little, he just got, you could see the fumes coming out of his head. He was, he was hot. <laughs> so Tay, you go through college, now the pros are on the horizon. Where'd you land in the draft and to who? So, um, I go through, I go through college. So as I said, am I, am, am, after my red shirt, yeah, I got to talk to Kay because he's like, are you leaving? And I'm like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm going to play in this jersey. Like, you, you got it crazy. So I play on a team that wins the national championship. We end up being number one most of the year after that. Um, and and uh, we go to Sweet 16. We we lose to Indiana on, on the, some fluke stuff. But then I got to come back. I wanted to come back and actually compete for another national championship because I saw one go down. We lose losing a fluke. 
and I get a crew of freshmen in J.J. Reddick, Sheldon, uh, Sheldon Williams, Shavlik Randolph, Sean Dockery, and we go out and compete at a high level. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the top players in the ACC. I get drafted in the first round to the Memphis Grizzlies, and I probably did 21 workouts in 30 days for 21 different teams wow. in, in, in like probably 17 different cities. It was Jerry West the general manager for Memphis at that time? Yes, he, yes, he was. I came in. I think Dwayne Wade spoke to, uh, the workout. Me, it was me, D Wade, and my Memphis workout, Leandro Barbosa and Troy Bell. And we played two on two. And me and Troy Bell got after D Wade and Barbosa and they had to stop the workout because, uh, Memphis was, was entertaining trading up because they had like the 13th pick and, and they had, in QB Brown cussed out Dwayne Wade. Uh, because he thought he wasn't giving the full effort because they were in the 13th spot. But me and Troy Bell let, let them have it. Leandro Barbosa wasn't speaking English at the time. So it was like an 18 year old kid from Brazil, just out there, just trying to, survive. when you got kids from college who are just trying to survive, right? And D Wade was just kind of like, I don't even know why I'm here, but we brought it there and it ended up, they ended up drafting me and Troy Bell. They traded the picks at like 13 and 20 to draft us with Boston. And how was your experience with the Memphis Rivers, your first year? My first year was rough because they they called me Hollywood because I'm coming from Duke University, the highest of the highest in standards. We fly better than the Grizzlies. We practice in better arenas than the Grizzlies. We get better food. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm in a top-tier program, and they're practicing at a college. They're playing at the Pyramid. Um, and, like, not everybody's wanting to win, and I'm coming from a winning culture. So I got a little bit of an arrogance to me. And they're like, listen, Rook, we're, we're not gelling because I got Bonzi Wells, Lorenzo Wright, God rest his soul, um, Wesley Person, Mike Miller, guys who just in the NBA, but not like we trying to take over the world. So I didn't, I didn't gel well because I didn't have a rookie's mentality. Like I wanted to win. I'm coming at you in practice. I don't understand like how the treatment that we're getting. I say something about things when I'm not supposed to. So it was kind of rough for me as a rookie. So what was Jerry – give me your experiences with Jerry West. We've obviously gotten a lot of different perspectives on Jerry West throughout the show, so I'm curious for your perspective on him. Jerry West was, was probably one of the best human beings I, I, I've been in this game because he always took time to try and give me information. And – um he was from footwork to defense to mentality and how to work. Like he was always a resource and he believed in me. And when he left the organization, it was kind of like a, like the, the air was let out of the balloon because like one of the pivotal pe- people in basketball is leaving your organization and you don't have that person to ask questions to or, or confide in or, or, or just get like confidence from even in tough times. I played in the, in the area where there's no G league. So it, and, and, you had to sit when, when, when you were on injured reserve, you had to be there for five games. Mm-hmm. So it was nothing for you to do. You just practice, just maybe practicing if you don't team or practice. You're just working out and there's no release of energy. So I didn't, so it's your first time not playing, but Jerry was always there to try and help get perspective and, 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 and mm-hmm. kind of like help you just like stay on, on course for what this really was about to be a professional. Oh, you fight with the Memphis, you make the team. What other teams did you play on and how long did you play, D? So, I played for a total of 14 years. I went from Memphis to um, Sacramento the next year. Um, I ended up getting released when Mike Bibby got traded for five people. And they, it's just things you have to do. It was <laughs> They had to bring that trade on. 
at, at the, at the uh, trade deadline. So that next year I kind of uh, worked my way onto the Denver Nuggets uh, with AI and Melo. They ended up trading for Chauncey Billups and now they, they have a gap at the two guard spot. Chauncey was like, listen, man, you need to start Dante. Um, because I had been training with Chauncey for, for years. He told George, you need to start Dante. He gives us X, Y, and Z. He was coming off his Detroit business. So he knew the importance of like a guy who was going to be selfless and role play and gave me some direction on how to set what was going to be a career for myself rather than trying to outscore people or just be something that the team needs. I came in here, defended, um, brought energy, played hard. We ended up going to the conference finals, losing in six games to the Lakers. Um, of course. I, I was in a, of course, no, we lost two games. With the ball, with like seconds. Now, I don't care about we all the excuses. I don't, don't give me all the excuses. You lost to the Lakers. Let's keep it moving. We, we turn the ball in the inbound play when George Carter didn't have any side out of bounds. We'll get to that later. Don't worry about it. Um, I go from there in a lockout in a, in a small market. So I, I was about to sign back with the Denver Nuggets for a minimum, but the Indiana Pacers offered me tw- a 12, a four year, $12 million deal. And my agent was like, listen, bro, you like, you just you gotta take it. You can't go back for nine hundred thousand. But I wanted to win, and I had fun with that group. But I ended up signing with the Indiana Pacers, and I and I spent three years with them. Um, played with guys like Lance Stevenson, as Paul George's rookies, George Hill, that team trying to come together. Roy Hibbert and um and David West. Uh, went from there to Dallas, and a Dallas team that had just won a championship. So now they're they were kind of in the rebuild mode. Got traded. I asked to be traded at the deadline, went to Atlanta, a team that was just like a playoff team, but just all over the place. And then after that, I um, got caught up in a, in, a, in, a, in a little free agency tough situation, and I sat out a year, and then I worked my way back in by just like training, went to the G League for, for 20 games, and then I signed with the Clippers in like beginning of January of that year, played that year out. Um, another tough storm of free agency, went to the G League, and I was about 34 at that time. And I was, um, I was, I was in shape and I had worked my way up to it and free agency didn't go my way. And I told my wife, I'm just going to play one more year, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I worked this hard. I'm, I'm just going to enjoy this game because, you know, like, as you, when your body goes, you can't do it anymore. So I went to the G League, see if I could make something happen. Nothing happened. And I, I prepared to retire. Um, and I just, I tried to help a bunch of kids. I was kind of like a player development on the court, working with the guys, trying to teach them how to be professionals, trying to show them how, what, how it was done at the big top. Got into a lot of fights, a lot of kids didn't absorb information, but some did, some did and have, have used that to go on and have some, some European careers, but trying to give them as much as possible through my experiences and ended up going home. And I got a call from David Griffin, Teron Lou, like, listen, we got a spot and we need a guy like you just to be prepared always, number one, just in case we need you. And it's just to bring some positive injuries and some morale to a team that's kind of like up and down, if you, if you would say it. So, um, I signed on for the last game. I kind of, I, I went home and I had like two weeks, but I just played basketball, Coop. So I was in the local gyms hooping and so I'm still in shape and. I ended my G League season off with a 43-point game. So I, I, I'm feeling like I can come in and, and do something. And I um, came and played the last game for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then we ended up winning a, in a championship in that year. Um, so let, so let me stop you there real quick. 
our basketball, well, our higher power, Lord Jesus Christ is mine. Sometimes they take you through things to help you understand, and you've already mentioned this going back to Duke, about what it takes to be a team member. And you go through all those teams, and you finally find yourself in the Cleveland, and you are the perfect fit. And I must say this because I watched uh, that series tape. You played a couple of games. You got in. You did your thing. But you know what? I was watching you on the bench. You were always positive and about the team. And kids got to understand that those essential qualities are important. So you find yourself with LeBron James. You you go and you guys win a championship. What was it like playing with him? Well, Coop, uh, I don't know if I told you this before, but but now that you have LeBron James before you got him, right? So I was a LeBron James hater. I played against him for 13 years. I had to guard him. I had to be in the trenches of always on the other side. I mean, the playoffs, regular season, like he's so talented. Being on the other side, it's just like you always think he's cheating. You always think something's going on. It's not. So I walked into the situation knowing him, but not knowing, like, what he brings to a team. Uh-huh. And – all that stuff I had been through on my on my journey, whether it's like trying to give information to kids and teaching and adjusting myself to teach them and help, it was on display then. I got a guy who's the greatest in the world, and he's he started off our journey asking me what he could do to be better. And I like, no I, 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 I was I was that. like, he he asked me from the break, like, what do you see? And what the most thing I respect about LeBron James is that he always wants to be coached and he takes information all the time and applies it if he respects you. So now I got the greatest guy in the world taking everything from me because I've guarded him before. So I know what they're trying to do. And this is what you have to combat with. And I'm giving information. He's taking all of it. And then I got, I got like Amon Shumper who's in a tough situation and he's going back and forth with confidence. And, and I, and I get to, give energy and share like, bro, we got to stay ready. I get to work out with him, keep guys engaged, doing things that have helped me along my journey, setting the tone in practice, helping guys practice after practice just to stay ready when they get their chance, like Richard Jefferson, stay stay in shape. You're not in the rotation this thing because they don't need you, but we got to stay in shape, me, me, you, and Channing. And just keeping guys' morale together as a teammate, giving energy and giving information during the games because I was always prepared for scouting reports. I learned that at Duke scouting reports and, and defensively, always knowing how to be prepared for what our matchups were, being in contact with, with, with T. Lou, who was a friend of mine already, kind of helping him mitigate that roster and, and see what guys are going through mentally and physically, because I think that's a big part. We look at these amazing athletes out there, and we just think they're just not ready to play, but it's usually some off the court or something that's blocking them mentally that teammates only know about if they're, if they're into, into them. So, helping Kyrie on his journey. He's a kid, but he's from Jersey. I know him growing up, went to Duke, like, like helping him wrap around his relationship with, with Bron, with coach, how he can affect the game, giving him energy. Like I had so many spots that I could use everything along my journey that I was able to help in ways that you can't like technically quantify on a stat sheet. And I was just make sure I just giving positive energy to guys that, that need it. Guys on the floor need it no matter what it is. They just, they, they, they sometimes, can't make their own energy. So that's what I was trying to do. I, I know I look crazy at times, but I was giving energy to my guys because they need, because it, it's like when we were all kids playing, we always looked to our parents for justification. We looked to the parents for a nod, just something to make us outperform what our normal level was. And that's what teammates should be able to do. They should be able to look to your team or your coaches and gain energy from them at all points in time, rather than just you have to, you have to muster it up. That's all I tried to do. 
Well, you know what I would say. You definitely gave that. So, uh, in, in talking about LeBron, was he a was he a, a a practice player or more of a game player? He was everything. He was yeah. a practice player. He was a practice. He prepared for practice. He was the first person in. Well, I was. I'm. I pride myself of being the first person in the gym because I'm a role player, right, Coop? So I have to do that to be on teams and be available. But I'm walking in with him, and he's preparing like I'm preparing. Mm-hmm. Greatest in the world. He's he's stretching. He's lifting early. He's working out on the court early. So me and him develop a relationship on the road as well of just being the guys that work extremely hard. He he works harder than anybody else. He trains harder. He prepares film wise. He recovers with the best of them. Like he's always doing things to make him ready for the next game. He eats well. He practices as hard as anybody else as the, as the role player. He's always available for practice and he's engaged in film sessions. So when you got a guy that's athletically supreme to everybody else, but then mentally locked in and mentally locked into his physical as well, like that's what you see in your 17th year being able to still dominate the game of basketball. You know, and that's what I tell uh, people about magic. You know, great players are great for a reason and magic was magic. I, Again, being the player that he was, he could have coasted in practice. He never coasted in practice. He was playing hard all the time, as you say, giving out information, going over plays. When we had film, I mean, the exact same thing. You're talking about LeBron, Magic Johnson did that. And I'm pretty sure Larry Bird, because when I say one of those names, I always have to use the other one, because those two young men changed the shape and the scope of the NBA when they came in in 1980. Um, Where would you rank LeBron? among the top players of today. Let's go with today's player. Obviously, he's number one for sure. But when we talk about a GOAT, let's go back through Moses Malone, Kareem, Michael Jordan. Where would you rank LeBron? Well, he's he's had – first and foremost, he acknowledges this. Like, he's had those guys to aspire to be like. And he wouldn't be himself without those guys, number one. The Magics, the Birds, the, the Michael Jordans, the uh, Moses Malones, Kareem. Like, they set the standard for his career today. So he's on my Mount Rushmore, and I think he's the best in his in his era. It's hard to compare because you guys had different rules than we had. And I played in, 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 in like, three different eras of rules on, right. over my journey where you could where contact was allowed, where I could beat somebody up. Like, I played Steph Curry in two different, basically, eras where I could just be physical and beat him up, and then, then you see the kid, they take it all away, and then now you can't touch him and he's dominating. You understand? Like this, this, these errors were, were, are, are, are totally different. Totally. Um, and like to say, like, is he better than Mike? I, I can't really say it, but he's on par with him because like Mike, I, like, you wouldn't see some of Mike's performances if they didn't slam him to the floor. You get what I'm saying? If Mike was allowed to, to coast and not get knocked out. Yeah. You might see Mike go to a different level because of his competitiveness. If you just let it, if he just wasn't being touched all game, would, would we see the same? Efforts out of Mike, I don't think Mike could push himself to 63 uh, with, without being touched. You understand what I'm saying? Like that part of part of his era is, is the physicality because he liked physicality. He liked being beat up. That kind of took him a different level. So to say that LeBron James is on my Mount Mushroom Mount Rushmore with Kareem and Mike and um and Magic, like those guys set the tone for their errors. I played for Larry Bird and I understand the physical force that he was. So, but it, it gets, it gets tough, but I think LeBron edges him out, but he's on my Mount Rushmore. I don't think there, it can ever be a goat because it's too many yeah. different things that come out of your errors. Like I, I have respect for your error. Just like I know you have respect for ours. What yeah. I do know is like 
the toughest drill, which was for me, right, Coop, and I don't know if you guys did it, was when they just switched everybody's position. So if they turn Coop to five man, and then they turn the five man to the point, and the point to the three, right? What LeBron could do is run everybody's position. Yeah, Magic was saying per- perfectly. Yeah, and then we and if, and and when you and you have an amazing weapon when you start a playoff series, and he knows their playbook better than the coaches that it's their scout. So if the coach said, "Oh, they're gonna cut back," no, no, no. In this play, it's kind of a banana cut. It's not a straight line cut. This is the information we're getting from the greatest player in the world because he studied at a higher level. He sees it in a different level than even the coaching staff. And we had coaches that were like, you know what? I didn't pay attention to that. We had like a dialogue between our coaching staff. We, it wasn't like a, you do what I tell you to. Like we were exchanging information. That's why I hold Ty Lue as a, at a high level as a coach because he wasn't a dictator. He was absorbing information from his players. And I think those are the best players. Coaches, I know you've done, had done some amazing thing in coaching, but you absorb and take information and understand that the player sees something different. And then now we're presenting two sets of information to get to one goal. And I think that's why it, it ended up working for us like that. Okay. We're at the point and coop and showtime with coop <laughs> in our lightning round. I'm, I got five people I'm going to ask you about. You can tell us a little bit about them. Okay. One word or you can take it on as much as you want. John Thompson. Oh man, I wanted to play for John Thompson so bad. Um, great. Hall of Fame, HOF. Like, I wanted to play for him so bad at Georgetown, but he's like a pillar. That's my word, a pillar in basketball. Roy Williams. Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I've been poisoned by that relationship. Like, I, I just, we just don't mess with them, but great. Great coach. Yeah, I, I, what I've learned over the time is that he's been what Coach K is to our players, and he's been great. He's been a, a father figure. Like I, I hold Coach K with like my grandfather. Like I, and that was one of my best friends. But he pushed me. He taught me how to be a professional. Get this dog out of me. The reason why I play so angry. But Roy was that for his guys, and that's why they love him so much. Dean Smith. Same thing as Roy. Why are you giving me these Carolina guys? You just you trying you trying you trying to get me to say something crazy. But listen, I, I've never met I've never met Dean, but Dean is on that on that Mount Rushmore of coaches. And well, that's all you got to say. That's all. I'm just yeah, asking right. questions. You can say what you no, want. You trying to set me up though? That's cool though. You got it, Coach K, the goat. And last but not least, Nelson Mandela. Ooh, selfless. When to sacrifice his life for the betterment of our world. Tay, you've been great, man. I really, really, really want to thank you. I have a newfound respect for you. Uh, I'm going to start asking you a little bit more when we get to the big three about what you see out there, Tay. And I'm not just going to listen to you on the peripheral side. You know, that that guy (laughs) at the end of the bench that's down there running his mouth because he want to get in the game. (laughs) Listen, did he tell you, but he tell you what happened last season? When they had to call me back, when they had to call me back, they 0-4, and, and they called me back, and I took them to the playoffs. Can't tell you about that, huh? Cool. Let, let Go to another episode about that. They ain't picked me in a draft. I'm not mad at them. They, he made a bad draft decision, and then I had to bring them back to the playoffs when they were the worst team in the league. It's cool, though. I love you, Coop. And we will end it like that. Hey, you good with me, man. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. Hopefully you uh, – I'll see you soon, hopefully. Hopefully we Definitely, get hopefully. This. 
Keep your family safe through this COVID, man. Thank you again. You do the same anytime. Okay. Take care. Cheers. All right.